Namaste, yogis. Welcome to episode eight of the Happy Jack Yoga podcast. I see you, Yada, out there in the sunshine, giving a little namaste. I'm Happy Jack, coming at you live from Cambridge, Massachusetts, USA, and I'm here with... Happy Hannah, and I am in Liechtenstein. That's so cool. That's a, that's a tiny country. I, I also have been to that home, your friend Annette. Uh, in Liechtenstein, isn't the entire country like 22 kilometers long or something? I could, I could be wrong, but it's, isn't it something like that? Yeah, it's so tiny. And there's, I think there's like around 30,000 inhabitants in all of the country. You can dri drive from one end to the other, like in 25 minutes or something. Amazing. It's, yeah. Check it out. Everybody, anybody who's not heard of Liechtenstein, check it out on a map sometime. And it's, if I remember, it's surrounded by like Italy switzerland austria liechtenstein is right in between switzerland and austria uh -huh. and then to get to italy you would have to go through either austria or switzerland okay not yes. far away <laughs> i remember that when i remember you 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 lined me up to to go stay with annette this is several years ago now and i i met with some really dear friends who also happened to be from that town uh, and and we, we did a yoga class and it was like a really big class. I, I almost remember exactly there was 34 students, which I was quite impressed because it was not an existing yoga studio, but just Annette and her friends like were able to pull together this group of 34 yogis. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, people here are amazing. Cool. Well, it's so great to have you back, Hanna. Uh, we, we missed you last week for episode seven, but of course, you know, Kristen stepped in, she stepped up, uh, rocked it. We had so much fun. Uh, we even got to connect with Cece from the team right at the end of the podcast. Um, but here we are. And first, we want to thank everybody who's here live with us. Shout out. Love it. We got Didi and Ken representing out on the West Coast. We got Brandon, Diana, Elizabeth, Felicia, Jewel. Kiernan, Sue, Tammy, Tanya, and Yada. Thank you all so much for being here. There are 14 yogis connected around the globe. And thank you everybody who's listening on, on one of the podcast platforms, whether that's Spotify or Apple or Google. And, and a huge thank you to those of you who are making a contribution to our Patreon uh, listener-supported podcast. We have, if you go to patreon.com, forward slash happy jack yoga for the price of a cup of coffee per month you can make a small donation and it supports this listener supported podcast uh, some of you here are doing that and we thank you very much and and really though like really want to think this is the cool thing of being able to come here together and have this conversation and i'm excited for what we have to talk about today but i gotta say uh, hanna normally you and i we talk every single day like i mean it's rare that a day goes by that you and i don't talk right in the evening we go on for a walk and a talk we haven't talked in i feel like a couple of weeks you've been fully immersed you know in in another retreat uh, over there in europe so nice to see you uh all all as well it looked from following your stories it looks like it's been amazing um how how are you what is on your heart right now Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I've been fully immersed in the heart of Italy, um, one of my home countries. So it's been really beautiful and healing and emotional very much. Like 
you know, at the drop of a hat, I'm emotional and crying because I don't know, just feels really like, I don't know, it touches me deeply, the beauty of that country and, and um, the time I've spent there. I feel like those were some formative years for me. So, so it's really beautiful to reconnect and spend time with amazing people. Um, yeah. And also it's really good to be back and it, yeah, it's strange that we haven't had time to connect at all and yeah, let's do it now. <laughs> let's do it now. That's great. And thank you though, for sharing how, like by, by reconnecting to your roots, like you lived in Italy for nine years. Um, that's where you were moving to when your husband passed your first husband. So I can really get a lot of emotion. Just so many beautiful memories would come up. And it's interesting you share that though about the emotions because just last night uh, I had a really beautiful emotional experience. You actually, just before we hit record here, you said you asked if everything was okay because I, I had shared a post. We have a family WhatsApp group. You're part of it, of course. And I had shared in there that like in, in the 1980s, I don't know, mid eighties, uh, I was at my grandma's house and I found this cassette tape and it was a cassette tape of a band called Mike and the Mechanics. I assume most of you have not heard of that band. Oh, Sue has. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I, this cassette tape and I remember listening to it and I remember listening to it with my dad and there's this one song in particular called In the Living Years and I don't know how social media made that show up you know, in front of me, but it showed up on my feed yesterday. So I went to YouTube, I watched the video and was just bawling uh, with be like happy tears. And also like the, the kind of the nature of the song, I encourage you to check it out sometime in the living years by Mike and the mechanics. You know, it's really about a, a guy talking about when he loses his father. And so in one way, I was, you know, really happy thinking about those beautiful memories. And then on the other hand, I was thinking about, you know, he says, you know, the one of the lyrics is I wasn't there the day my father passed away. Um, you know, and so then just thinking about that, and I've kind of put myself in those shoes, that will happen one day, maybe I'll be there. But regardless, he will pass away. And just like, I happen to be standing in the bathroom. And I, I look like, full-on breakdown like I looked like my life just fell apart and it was it wasn't like you know traumatic or anything because nothing was real but I just like felt for a moment like a glimpse of what that will feel like and then I decided to go I go for a walk you and I didn't talk because time zones don't work but I was listening to this song while I went for a walk last night and I was just like bawling my eyes out and I was I was kind of worried like if I would pass somebody in my apartment or on the street because I, <laughs> I was crying pretty hard, um, but it, it was just like such beautiful memories. And then, and then of course I shared it in our family chat and just kind of shared. And my sister, she's like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that tape, you know, at grandma's house. And um, it's, it's interesting how these memories or these moments from the past can so quickly bring us right back to like, just evoke those emotions. And I, I, that's, I, that was just a bunch of, imaginatory stuff that I went through and that was deep for me. So I can only imagine for you some of the real life experiences you've had and being in Italy, um, quite cathartic and beautiful. Yeah, it is for sure. It makes me emotional to hear you say that because that's, um, what grief has done to me a lot 
right? Over the years. And maybe some would say that what you are experiencing is anticipatory grief, where you can kind of like see how how it might be. And and sometimes, you know, it's not it's not a bad thing to process things, right? So yeah, it's bo- both beautiful and emotional and all the things. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's what it was. And it like kind of the the also the one of the kind of calls to action for the song or one of the messages of the song is like I wish I would have told you in the living years. So that's the title, in the living years. Like I wish I would have told you. So that's why, you know, in that fam the family chat I said, you know, I love you dad and everybody else here, but you know, specifically said that. We don't normally say that, you know, in messages, in group messages even so much in person. So I thought it was important. And just just a little bit on that topic. Um, I'm just I'm just gonna quickly share it. I gotta pull it up here quick. Because I, um, I, I sent some questions to my mom. Again, I, I don't know what what the social media algorithm is, uh, is doing these days. But I got one of those posts that said, ask these questions of your mom before she's gone. And I'm sure some of our listeners have lost their mom or a parent and some of us haven't yet but i sent my mom <clears throat> these seven questions and I'll, I'll just read them for you just to we can all think about them and um, if you want to if you want to ask them to your parents so first what is your happiest memory of us second what was your first year of motherhood like for you third is there anything about our family's history you've kept a secret Fourth, what is the nicest thing I've ever done for you? Five, what do you want or wish most for your kids? Number six, what have been the best and worst parts about getting older? And seven, the last one, what's one thing you want me to always remember after you are gone? You know, and I, I just thought those were nice, at least, you know, kind of get my mom thinking about, you know, some of her favorite moments from that first year of motherhood and, you know, not just, just getting her thinking about those nice things. And it would be nice to have that, to, to have the answers to that when she is gone. So I haven't, haven't got a response yet, but I did talk to my mom last night and uh, she does intend to, to at some point, she, she actually talked about put, you know, writing down the answers and then putting them in a time capsule. <laughs> so we'd find them after she's gone, which is one option. But then I also said, it'd be kind of nice to know now as well. So we can talk about it, but either I accept either from my mom, but it's, uh, it's nice to, to do this kind of reflection and feel these emotions. Yeah. Wow. That's really beautiful. And some really, really good questions. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. So if you, you go back, listen to the episode, if anybody wants to catch those. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of exciting things happening momentarily here. We're going to jump into our yoga myth that we're going to bust. Um, but just before we go there, you know, just a couple of updates, because Hanna, you and I haven't had a chance to, to chat for a while. Craziest thing or coolest thing, you know, I'm, I'm working on, I'm studying here at Harvard Divinity School. I've got a lot of papers due right now, two papers due this week. So I'm doing a lot of research. And one of the one of the papers I'm doing on doing about is a a mantra that comes from a text called the Brahma Samhita. It's a beautiful mantra. You hear it a lot at Bhakti Yoga temples. 
And, and this particular mantra was made famous by George Harrison of the Beatles. You know, he, he, you know, met the Bhakti yogis and got like all into it. And if you don't know, um, uh, what my sweet Lord, you know, a great tune by George Harrison, where he really brings in Bhakti yoga. But anyways, the, the whole point, and my professor was challenging me to try and figure out why did they pick these two specific verses? Because there's like 62 verses and, and George Harrison picked two of them. And so he's like, basically challenging me. Do you think, was it random? Did he pick the best ones? Did, you know, is it, you know, how, how did they come across this and, and see if, see, see if uh, basically he's asking me to come up with my perspective on it. Um, but I did one step better than that. <laughs> I was able to get in touch with some yogis that actually, uh, I was able to get in touch with a woman um, who happens to be dear friends with this guy named Sham Sundar, who's George Harrison's like best friend, like for the, la for the last 32 years of George Harrison's life, like when he really um, kind of, you know, he finished with the Beatles era and then became, you know, he became really into spirituality and, and yoga and meditation and, and bhakti yoga. So this guy, Sham Sundar, get in touch with him. He's happy, I mean, he's 80 now, but he's happy to, to share. And so he's kind of sent me this book and an email with all these details. So I, I won't get into the answer of it, but I got all the answers uh, that I need to, for my professor. So that was, that was a lot of fun. It's, you just never know um, who you're gonna, what, you know, when you're, I feel like when you're, you're like, um, you're moving towards something that you're really passionate about and something you're genuinely interested in and something that has meaning and something that will help others, like somehow the, the responses and the answers and like things just start showing up. So that was cool. Um, that, that was a cool little fun thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it certainly doesn't surprise me. You, you, you always make miracles happen. So <laughs> that's really incredible. Yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun. I will just quickly say the other paper that I'm doing is on the origins of yoga. And the reason I'm loving the research on this is because I'm, lear I'm learning some facts that uh, basically all yoga teachers, yoga schools, yoga teacher trainings out there, there's some, there, there's some inaccuracy in a lot of the kind of broad claims that are made about yoga and its origins and how long it's been around. And I'm not going to get into all the details right now, uh, but that will come out in time with my paper and, of course, our courses. But I want to just you know, kind of caveat that with, you know, it doesn't mean that all of the work that we are doing and all of the work that each yogi here is doing, you know, they should feel like, oh, I got to stop teaching yoga now because I don't know the exact year that yoga was invented or, you know, something like that. Um, but it, it's an opportunity to bring more integrity into our understanding and into our learning and, uh, and then eventually share that with our students. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't continue teaching, continue sharing and doing all the beautiful things. So it's, exactly. it, but it's just so cool. Yeah, go. Yeah. I just wanted to say that that's one of the, the reasons you are at Harvard because you wanted to bring integrity into the yoga world and, you know, through you, we will all be exposed to what you find. And that's really beautiful. I feel like that's great. Like wanting to learn more is 
is good. (laughs) And we can teach already what we know now, but yeah. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. That's why we're here. That's why we're learning. We're here to grow. Um, so, so many amazing things happening, uh, but we'll catch up when, I guess you're, it's going to be some weeks still until we go for our daily walks, but we get to connect here on the podcast. But why don't we jump in? It looks like the lights have, the lights are on in Berlin, um, which means our, our dear friend, Jewel, uh, who, who just, mo- I say that because moments ago, it, it, it was kind of dark. You had a young baby there with you. Um, Jewel, you sent in a beautiful question and I'm going to read it for the yogis now. And then if you want to elaborate on it and then, and then we'll kind of bounce it to Hunnit and myself. So Jewel, Jewel sent in this question. She says, I have stumbled across another yoga myth for you to bust on one of your podcast episodes that yoga is always about relaxation. So after teaching my pregnant sister, and I did go gentle on her because I know she's not used to working out a lot. She said, that was really nice, but I just signed up for a pregnancy gymnastics class because I want to do something a little more exhausting, you know, with yoga all being more about relaxation. So that got you started on your yoga speech. Um, and sure, she's not the only one who thinks that. So I, th- I thought it was really good, essentially around the idea that yoga is only about relaxation. Jewel, do you want to just elaborate a little bit on that? Um, and it's such a great myth. Yeah, on my yoga speech. I mean, obviously, I started by telling her that it, there's so much more to yoga than just relaxing. I mean, you have many different styles of yoga especially the ones that are more exhausting, like vinyasa, power yoga. I mean, even if I just think about the hero's journey with all the sun salutations at the beginning, it always kills me. And um, yeah, so I told her that obviously there is a workout to yoga. If you want that, it's always also about what kind of intention you have when you start start your yoga class. Um, Sure, you can have relaxation, but you can also have focus. You can have... uh, well the flow and the movements you can have flexibility and um, yeah Hannah we just um, connected in the in the yin call and I remember Leah saying in one of the modules that yin is also so very special because yes we do relax but we're going into uncomfortable positions on purpose so I mean, yes, it's kind of relaxing the yin yoga, but even this yin yoga is also about finding your edge, about um, getting into into those deep tissues. And yoga is not just like the easy way out for people who, well, who are too lazy for a proper workout, so to say. Mm, that's so true. And you, you you have so much wisdom as it is, Jewel. Like you just... You busted a lot of that myth right there, but why not, let's let's bounce it over to Hanna uh, if you want to add on, please. Yeah, I mean that is a great uh, myth to bust. Um, like theoretically, all yoga is about regulating the nervous system. So the nervous system, if it was always relaxed, we wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't be able to talk. Like it's 
that parts of the nervous system need to be active and then parts of it need to relax. Like it's kind of like an inhale and, a, and an exhale. It's, it's a balance. It's a call and response. It's an expansion and contraction kind of thing. If, um, you know, if we wanted to think about it in terms of nervous system regulation, then, you know, when we're too worked up, we want to come back to the window of tolerance, which is like the happy place where we can connect with each other. Or if we're too lethargic, then we would need to be, you know, like uplifting the nerve and, and stimulating the nervous system so that again, we come into the happy place where we can interact with each other and be dynamic together in a balanced way, right? So yeah, it's it's easy to think that yoga is all about relaxing. And I think any one of us, like even yin yoga, which is which does not include, for example, sun salutations. Yin yoga is a style of yoga where you take a yoga pose and you stay in that pose for five to 10 to 20 minutes even. And so the idea is that you will not use any muscles to be in that pose. So you'll need props or you'll take the pose in a way that you can relax your muscles. But then we can go a layer deeper into the tissues into the joints and stimulate the parts of the body that typically aren't as much stimulated in other ways. They are used constantly, but they aren't necessarily like lubricated. Um, and so it's not necessarily super relaxing because it can be difficult to stay in a pose for that long, even if the muscles are are not engaged. It can be mentally difficult. It can be physically, you know, challenging. So we know that all of us here, because we've taken lots of yoga classes of different kind, and and we've noticed how, you know, one day it's easy to, to do yoga. The next day it can be hard because of um, maybe the, the mind is so busy. And so I don't know that yoga is the right tool if, if someone wants to like bypass stress of life. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. However, yoga can be relaxing after having done all of the effort that yoga poses bring afterwards, hopefully the yogi feels like expansion and relaxed and centered and focused. Those are things that could be outcomes of doing yoga, right? Mm. Yeah, that's so good. So many, I, I like the different angles that we're coming at this. Um, and I, you, you brought in some perspective that I'm, you just have more expertise than I, Hanna. Mm. What I wanted to share really along the lines of what you were saying, Jewel, um, well, both of you, that there are, there, there are many, so many different styles of yoga, but the one that many of us are most familiar with is, you know, Patanjali yoga, the yoga sutras of Patanjali. This is called classical yoga. Um, this is, again, there's many styles, but I, I just thought I'd read from you here. This is kind of like a, a, a very common basic definition of yoga. So this is from the yoga sutras, uh, sutra number uh, 1.2. And it says, yoga is the stilling of the changing states of the mind. 
yoga is the stilling of the changing states of the mind so that you know in one sense that and i'm just going to read this first it's a long sentence but it's one sentence there are various definitions of yoga expressed in different traditions which while all overlapping reflect the fact that yoga referred to a cluster of practices featuring various forms of discipline and mind control practiced by many different differing ascetics and communities on the landscape of ancient India with a view to liberation from the suffering of embodied life. And so, so I just want to place that there. That's kind of one common definition of yoga, right? Essentially, like you could see, you could say in simple terms, like calming our mind, stilling our mind. Um, and like both of you really alluded to, there's, there's so many different styles of yoga. Many of them we are certified in, many of them we share. You know, in fact, I'm just gonna, just for fun, I'm gonna read through, I pulled up here, um, the list of all of the courses that we have. And so I'm just gonna read through some of the different courses that we have here at Happy Jack Yoga University. And each title will give you a sense of, you know, either a specific style of yoga or a specific intention of yoga. So the hero's journey is based on a vinyasa sequence, which is very not relaxing. That's very energizing, very empowering. Then we have the- And the it's Buddhist the basic 200 hour teacher training that we love the most. It's the most transformative one. It's like the foundation. Of course, you can take any of the ones that Jack is now going to read up, but the hero's journey is what we call the 200 hour teacher training. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for that. And jump in anytime if, as I'm reading off some of these, if you want to add something. Um, so again, that the, the basic sequence there is vinyasa and it's very empowering flow. It's still accessible, accessible to all levels, all experiences, all body types, but it's, it will challenge the practitioner. So then we have uh, Buddhist psychology and mindfulness, which obviously is a course that's supporting that, that, you know, mindfulness, that relaxed stress-free mind, the divine feminine yoga goddesses. So that, you know, connecting to your inner, uh, your inner goddess, uh, yoga for mental health, which is like hugely, hugely important these days, yoga as spiritual care. So really taking, we, you know, we do physical care, we do mental care, yoga for spiritual care, yoga for conflict. Our dear friend, Amy created that trauma informed yoga. That's one with you, Hanna, you know, so, so important. Uh, yoga for leadership, confidence and voice, bhakti yoga, you know, which is really the, the yoga of love, the yoga of devotion, uh, the, the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, meditation, you know, just a core basics, one of the, the limbs of Patanjali yoga. Then in yoga for everyone, we have yoga for kids, chair yoga, power yoga, power yoga is definitely not relaxing, curvy yoga, uh, inclusive yoga. In pranayama mantra and mudra, we, we have a hatha sequence, some, some kundalini yoga, some hatha yoga mixed in. Then we have prenatal yoga, uh, business of yoga, that's not so much a style, yoga philosophy and spirituality. Now here's one that actually is relaxing. The next one is called restorative yoga. This is one, this is perhaps the one, is that correct, Hanna? This is perhaps the one that, yes, this is about relaxation. 
Yes, that is correct. There is no effort in this style of yoga. Restorative yoga is when you take pillows and blankets and you put them to support your body, to stay in the pose, and you do nothing but just show up in the pose. And Mm -hmm. the pose itself, so your arms and your legs aligned in a certain way, and gravity is what makes the magic happen. The yoga pose together with gravity. Mm. Completely surrendering. I yeah. love it. So, so you're, so was it your sister, Jewel? Did you say? Was it? Yeah. Yeah, was my sister. Yeah. So your sister was not incorrect. She definitely uh, is aware. <laughs> there is definitely a relaxing style of yoga, but as as you pointed out, it's not it's not the only one. I'll just quickly mention just a few more. So then there's Yin Yoga, which is happening this week. If anybody wants to join, send us an email at info at happyjackyoga.com. It's not too late uh, to join or or whenever you listen to this because it can be done as self-study. But yin yoga, which was talked about, uh, yoga for injuries, yoga nidra, yoga life coaching, yoga for boosting your immune system, yoga for pain relief, and finally Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga. So I know that was a lot of information. Uh, but really just to just to, if anything give us an idea of yoga has many different potential results many different intentions but just from that list like some four basic styles you could say is like vinyasa hatha yin and restorative that are just like really purely asana and of those styles only one of the four is completely relaxing so we're really busting that myth uh, very well um, I, I will also just say in the in the one course, which is I gotta say one of my favorites because it's like the first 25 hour course that I created, which is pranayama mantra and mudras. And in that we have we have specific practices, some that will some breathing techniques and practices that are meant to calm and center and relax exactly like your sister said. Um, and we have just as many practices for energizing, igniting, empowering, waking up. So coming back to what Hannah said, depending on what our outcome is, if it's the end of the day and we wanna wind down before we go to sleep, definitely a relaxing practice is like perfect. But if it's the, if it's the beginning of the day and you know we're kind of stiff, we're getting out of bed and we wanna energize before you gotta go take care of a, a young child as you do, Jill, and, and all of the different responsibilities that we have, then, then a more in, in energizing practice is definitely warranted. Last thing, last thing I wanted to add, I'm sorry. This is the thing, Hanna, when you, when you prepare us, it gives me all this time to prepare. So I got so much that I wanna say, but you know, we have some of you on the, in the Zoom will be familiar with the Zoom or sorry, with the sequence card that I'm holding up. So the hero's journey, which is the sequence we use for our 200 hour yoga teacher training. And there's like, there's a flow that it goes through. So even within one sequence, it's not fair to say, well, the hero's journey is dynamic and energizing. It is, but then if we go to the end, to the gratitude sequence, right? Well, then we're doing half pigeon and happy frog and forward fold, the supine twist and Shavasana. So just that section of one yoga sequence does become more relaxing and more of a surrender versus the passion series, the commitment series, etc., the breakthrough series. 
So just within, I guess the point being, even within one sequence, within one class experience, we, we're going to have different experiences. But again, Jewel, your sister is correct in that every good yoga class ends with Shavasana. And Shavasana is a time to relax. So although not completely accurate, the myth, there is that part of it where, yes, in a nice Shavasana, we all will get to relax. So what do you think? Well, well, well you've, you've hung out here with us this whole time while you're I'm just going to add one thing. Yeah, please. please Can do, I add yeah. one thing? First of all, great job, Jack, with like all of that really great summary and like perspectives. One style that was not mentioned that definitely also is relaxing is yoga nidra, which is mm. actually a style of yoga. And there's people who practice it every day. And it's all about relaxation. It's a guided meditation, kind of like a system that takes the person and the nervous system through a journey. And is deeply relaxing for most people, <laughs> right? So yeah, Jewel, mm -hmm. go ahead. What, what's your, um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely got my sister, well, kind of signing up for my practice uh, teaching lessons and I will show her the different styles that we have all pregnancy safe. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to teach Amazing. her. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Great That's so point. Um, with pregnancy, uh, of course, um, it's not a bad idea to learn how to relax and also use the breath because that's going to come in handy during labor. So yeah, very good idea to keep all of it pregnancy safe. <laughs> yeah. And what a gift though, Jewel, that your sister has you at this time. I'll just put you on mute again so the baby can can make their beautiful sounds. Um, what a gift to have you here. Because actually one of the, we probably are not going to get it at the end of this call, but one of the, you know, Hannah preps me with some questions. One of those questions was about um, if you're pregnant, should you start yoga? So I'm just going to sneak this in right now. Um, and, and so, well, considering that yoga means connection and union, or, or it literally means uh, yoga is the stilling of the changing states of the mind, I'd say that could be very helpful for a pregnant person. All right, there, there are some elements of yoga that absolutely could be very helpful to start. Um, but I would also add that if you're if you have not done asana, if you've not done the hero's journey or vinyasa flow or power yoga, when you're you know several months pregnant would not be the the best time to start that um but if 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 anyone is already a practitioner of yoga which some you know um then i've seen it many times where students are practicing a, a dynamic practice well into the later stages of pregnancy because their body is used to it and they know what feels right and and what i have always been taught to share and what i always share um of course I could not have personal experience myself, but the, the point being is that really we, we need to honor our body. So yeah, you know, and even those of you who are mothers and have birthed children, you don't know exactly what the student is feeling. So, you know, you can't say you should def definitively do this or definitively not do this, but really just encouraging the student, your sister to, to do what feels right and to trust, trust yourself. And I think cultivating that inner trust 
uh, is a really important thing during pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're sending some hearts. Love it. So, well, thank you so much, uh, Jewel, for bringing in this myth. Let's send the love high vibes out to Berlin. Berlin, Germany, thank you. And, and by the way, anybody, if anybody has a myth you would love us to bust, send it in. Uh, send it to info at happyjackyoga.com. Um, while you're at it, I mean, I should just quickly say, like, if you, well, if you want to send in an email, if you'd love to join us live here in Zoom, send us an email. We'll give you the Zoom code and, and then come and join us because we get to meet you before the podcast starts. And we also get to chat with you after the podcast starts, if you, if you feel like sticking around. Um, and of course, we have our Friday yoga classes. So if you want to come and practice yoga with us live, send an email. We'll get you the Zoom code. With that being said, Hanna, I think we should, uh, we've got some time here. Let's jump into the main topic. What have you got for us? Okay, so shifting gears. Um, so today we wanted to discuss something uh, from the let's say the journey that the 200 hour teacher training, the hero's journey that we teach, we're kind of like following the syntax of that training on these calls. And we'll bring in topics that we discuss in the training. And today we're discussing module, is it seven? Yes. And that module is called get out of your comfort zone. And in this module, we'll discuss lifestyle choices because often when a person starts yoga they might want to shift the way they eat or you know because you become more and more aware of your body and how it feels and doing yoga with a full belly is not a great idea and so forth so that's one of the things we discuss in that module and then also we discuss essential language for teachers what that means and if we can teach poses that we can't do we discuss prenatal yoga. So in that way, this call today was really on topic. But since the whole kind of like the whole theme in this module is get out of your comfort zone on what that means, I wanted to discuss that with you, Jack. So you're, you're so good at making real life examples. And so if I were to ask you this, like how does yoga or taking a yoga teacher training get you outside your comfort zone? Like if you could make an example from your own life where maybe that happened uh, in the past and maybe something that would be more present because it's not that it only happened once in the past, but like your yoga life keeps taking a lot of turns and twists. I think you being at Harvard is part of your, uh, comfort, like getting out of your comfort zone in a big way. So module seven is getting out of your comfort zone. And if you were to let us into your world, like how has yoga challenged you? Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love the question. And I mean, there's, there's so many examples that, that I could give of how just, just being a yoga teacher and standing in the classroom with people looking at, at me while I'm calling out poses that is like out of my comfort zone, but I want to first share to or jump to how it's how it's still impacting me today and some kind of current real life examples. 
And so, because stepping out of our comfort zone can look different ways. Sometimes, yeah, maybe it's being the person at the front of the room calling out poses. But another way that it can look, which I think is really important for, for many of us, sometimes it looks like asking for help. Asking for help when we need help. And, and I did that yesterday. I did it yesterday. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm studying Sanskrit here. I've been studying it for a few years. I'm now studying, I'm, I've progressed to intermediate level. Next year's advanced, that's gonna be wild. But I'm in intermediate right now. And, and truthfully, you know, there's five students in the class. Three of us are like actually intermediate. Two of the students are actually advanced. And the pace for this first month, this past month, has, it's, it's been picking up and picking up. And these past couple of weeks, it's going too fast for me. Like, it's just, it's really going too fast. I'm, I'm finding myself doing my homework, uh, basically just doing it as fast as I can so I can get it done, but I'm not really understanding it. I'm not really getting it right. And so the point being yesterday in class, like I came and I kind of vulnerably said, you know, in front of all these really super smart people younger than me, doesn't matter. Um, and I said, hey, like I'm, I just, first of all, I started with an acknowledgement. You guys are, you guys are smart. Uh, you guys are so good. And I'm like so inspired by how much you've learned, but I got to share, like, I'm not able to keep up. And just the, 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 the pace that we're going through, I'm not able to keep up. And just really explained, like, is there, like, could we, could we try something like this? Or do you have another solution? Do you have any ideas? And, and when presented in that way, everybody, you know, some of the other students who are like me are like, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. And, and of course, the advanced students and the teacher were happy to slow it down. And so that just being like a little example, because I'm sure at different at earlier stages of life, um, to save or, you know, to, to not look inferior or something like that, I might have just like pretended because I could have, I could have just kept going with it and I would have got through, but I'm here to learn, right? I'm not here to get it done. I'm not here to get an A, uh, I'm here to learn. And so as soon as I recognized that I wasn't really learning or it wasn't so as effective, just will, being willing to raise my hand and be a little bit vulnerable and, and ask for help. And, and I want to acknowledge so many of the students here who are here with us live that, that they often as well will raise their hand and be vulnerable and be open. and and ask questions because that's that's the I think an important uh, quality of a teacher is not is not to have all the answers but to but to be willing to ask questions ask the right questions ask vulnerable questions yeah. so I feel like that was like an example of of stepping out of comfort zone that's amazing and in fact I love that you mentioned this even within our community people who join our 200 hour it is a program that happens in 13 weeks and there's a lot of content to go through and people do it at home while going to work and raising children and taking care of their pets and everything. It's, it's a lot that everybody has going on. And so it's a very, very common um, worry or like a stressor for a lot of people, just how you are explaining as well. Like this is going so fast. Um, and uh, I worry that I won't be able to keep up. And sometimes people join the calls feeling guilty because they didn't do everything. And we always encourage everyone to come anyway. Like it, it's not about 
getting things done, it, you know, it's okay to take the time you need. And, and same for you, Jack, like you want to enjoy that journey that you're on and not just, you know, robotically fill in um, Sanskrit into your tables. I can imagine the way you study it is it's quite intense. So that's yeah. really great that you would allow that for yourself. And I'll re- add also that as teachers, if we are willing to be this vulnerable, we make all of this a little bit more human. Because I think a lot of us come with a, all kinds of assumptions to yoga on having to do the pose perfectly and people don't want to use props because whatever, (laughs) because they want to do well. All of us want to do really well. And we want to prove to ourselves that we can do really well. And it's beautiful that we can do really well also with props and with help and with the slower pace. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing I find when we do in this way, step out of our comfort zone and ask for help people want to help like people like people genuinely want to help i was like a little bit like even though i did it because in a way i'm like at this stage of life i'm 20 years older than most of these students like i'm not trying to impress anybody but there was still some part of me that was thinking like they're going to be rolling their eyes you know in their in their mind and like oh my god we got to slow down for this character come on get your act together or whatever story was in my mind but, you know, that was not the case because they, you know, the one student, uh, Yan Yao from China, she's like a PhD student, fifth year PhD student, you know, and, and she's like, hey, you know, I, I'd be happy to meet with you. And because and, and, I said that I'm even everything we've done up until now in this latest translation, I'm like, I don't really know what's going on because I haven't been able to write fast enough. And so she's like, hey, I can I can meet up, you know, before class or after class. I'm happy to help and tutor. Um, Point being, people want to help. And, and, and how does again, that make you feel, Jack? It makes me feel. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel uh, good enough. It makes me. It makes me feel like I'm not a failure. It, ma- it makes me feel like there's not something wrong. It's. It's more just like, because um, like that's the only way to learn, right? Is to get help and to collaborate and to ask questions. And um, I really for, love for, that for you. That's yeah. music to my ears. Nice. Yeah. And we see it. We, I mean, we see it with the community as well. Like whenever a student, you know, on a satsang call will, will really vulnerably be like, Hey, you know, I'm just not meditating anymore. I'm just not, you know, Katie on a call recently had shared, like she's, she used to be getting up really early and, but she's not been doing that, but because through her vulnerability and her sharing, you know, there's, there's people who are like, Hey, I'll be your accountability buddy. I want to do this too. And people just start stepping up because they want to help. And so that's kind of like, it's like, we're not just stepping out of our comfort zone for our ego to be like, Hey, look at me. I can step on stage at a yoga festival and, and teach and I can do it. Like, that's not why we're doing it. Um, that some of that might be present in the beginning when we're getting started, but the whole point right is to be able to to grow and to share and to learn and to connect and And to uh, soften yeah yeah that is so true and and we don't come to yoga looking for a perfect teacher the perfect um individual the perfect role model or the perfect body like 
people don't come to a yoga class looking for a perfect picture, right? Mm-mm. No, that's, and that's what we're really establishing here. I mean, yoga is so much more. And I mean, another, you know, you asked about real life examples. I feel like my next, the next opportunity I have to step out of my comfort zone is, you know, I've, I've hinted at it on certain calls. I'm not sure where on the podcast, but at the end of this semester, so basically, you know, six weeks from now, I'm going to pack up this apartment, you know, my little one bedroom apartment, my picture of Krishna, my uh, picture of my Akashi Lake back home, my guitar, books, all this stuff, packing it up. It's going back home to Canada because in January, when I move back down here to Boston, I'm moving into the local temple, the local Bhakti Yoga Ashram, um, because well, because I, I really want to, I want to be in an environment, I want to be in association with yogis who are getting up early and doing hours of these spiritual practices and then sitting and enjoying meals, nice vegetarian meals in community, sitting on the floor, eating with our hands, you know, like just getting back to like this basic ashram lifestyle. And um, in, in a way though, this will be out of my comfort zone, right? Because I have, even though this is a one bedroom apartment, it's nothing to nothing fancy, but there's space, right? There's privacy. I got my own bathroom. I got my own fridge, my own bed. Where now I'm going to be in sharing a bunk bed, six guys in one room. Um, and, and I'm sure there's going to be some moments where people, I get woken up in the middle of the night, you know, this and that and cleanliness organization, right? Just some of those challenges could be there, but I feel like, I feel like through this practice, through the 200 hour heroes journey, you know, I guess I've seen what happens when I step out of my comfort zone, when I put myself in environments, you know, with people who uplift me and, and, you know, can have these kind of meaningful conversations. So I guess that's just, a, that's kind of the next step, which hasn't happened. Um, actually, I haven't even told my family yet, I haven't told my parents, but if my mom, maybe she watches these on Facebook live. So mom, if you're, if you're watching, heads up. Uh, I'm moving into the the Bhakti Yoga Ashram uh, in the new year. Not that it impacts them in any way, but it's like, yeah, sometimes we do these things. It's kind of like when when we take groups to India, Hanna, right? Like probably our students or us are not going to go and just permanently live in India. Um, You know, again, you you never know with someone like me, but, you know, probably we're not going to go and just like permanently live there, but we grow so much from the experience. And I know that in Christmas in six weeks, I'll be back hanging out with you and we'll be sitting in, you know, uh, a lazy boy chair and, and, and eating a vegan pizza and watching a, a nice Netflix, like having some relaxing time um, to balance it out. But sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone and um, I don't know, that's where the growth happens. Yeah. And progress happens, right? Like, I think that's what, um, maybe keeps us happy and feeling fulfilled when, when there is a feeling of things actually advancing and, and deepening and expanding. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, I think it's really vital also, you know, for our continued growth. We're, we're never, 
done becoming, like we're constantly growing. And that's what I find fascinating about the practice. I never get tired of it. I never get tired about talking about yoga, (laughs) you know? That's it. That's what, I mean, that's, that's why we're here. we got a dozen of us. Uh, and again, I just want to thank everybody who's here with live with us, everybody who's listening to the podcast on one of the platforms. Like this is, this is, I feel like this is my purpose. This is our purpose. This is our part of our, our seva, our offering, our dharma. And, and, and actually doing this podcast was out of our comfort zone. It was an idea for several years. It was one of those things of like, oh, I, I, we should do this, or we, we, uh, it would be so cool to do this, or you know, we, one day we'll do this, um, and now all of a sudden it's just like it's in the calendar and we do it. Yeah, or the whole online platform. Like most of yeah. you have done training with us online, and it's a very, I think, well-oiled machine right now. Like you can come take any training at any time from anywhere in the world and have real life connections with other amazing human beings. But just a moment ago, it did not even exist. And the moment we created it, we were like, um, wait a minute. We don't know how to set, set up lights and mics and edit videos. And, you know, we have all the knowledge and we are committed to always deepening that knowledge, but we did not know how to, you know, do that. We did not know how to create online teacher trainings. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and, and so that was just another example of, of stepping out of our comfort zone Yeah, and just looking at who's here with us live. Like I, I, I won't talk about everybody, but I mean, Brandon, right. Our buddy in Canada, like he's, jumped right in 200 hour hero's journey playing full out recording videos on youtube sharing it like I mean, and taking the yin training that's happening right now right like yeah. I mean, so much uh Didi and ken are here with us like oh my goodness it was such an honor to spend a year with you both uh they're at retirement or approaching retirement running a martial arts studio and took this time Imagine that at this stage of life, you're like a a master martial artist and now going back to being a beginner yogi, but giving yourself permission to do that, right? And Didi and Ken, you know, you've done that on the journey together. Diana, oh my goodness, you're crushing it on social media. Got to give you a shout out. Like, oh my, like, I want to say, do you have someone professional helping you? Like, are you really doing this by yourself? Um, but you're just putting yourself there. There's so much great content. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not going to go through everybody, Elizabeth and her book and Jewel it's asking the question. Yeah. Sue coming down to the retreat in person, um, you know, and just giving yourself permission and already sa- saved up your spot for next year for the retreat. Um, mm-hmm. That that board break was so inspiring. I mean, I could say something about everybody. Kiernan's been doing it for years. Tanya's got incredible classes going. Yada, um, also all in on her 200-hour hero's journey. Felicia, Colorado, doing it with family and everybody. So the point being, actually, point being is that all 12, I feel like these are like our best friends who are here with us in the Zoom. So it's so cool to have you here with us. And, um, and just really encourage each of you well, you, the, the 12 who are here are doing it 
and anybody who's listening, you know, and, and let's not compare to one another. You don't have to go to university. You don't have to move into an ashram. You don't have to go to Liechtenstein. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to go in a cold tub. All these things are great, but I think we're all finding our own unique way, right? Coming back to the hero's journey and finding Joe, following your bliss, and not going into the forest where there's already a path, but finding our own path. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when it's scariest. And that's when it's like right now, I know for me, I'm in some way I'm inspired by other role models and other people, but in, 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 in the greatest way, I'm on a path that I've never seen anybody else do. And, and at moments it's scary and it's uncertain for a guy who loves certainty, but it makes, it makes me feel alive and it feels right. And, and I feel you just like the right, like connecting with this guy who's George Harrison's buddy, you know, who's like happy to help write me anytime, hop on a zoom, you know, to, to the, you know, of course the whole George Harrison thing, that's just cause I love Beatles, but even putting that aside, someone who's been on a spiritual path for like 60 years, um, that's, that's really the cool part about it. Yeah. And still lives in the world. So it's so fascinating. Yeah. Like not recluded away in a mountaintop, but actually co-creating. It's so yeah. fascinating. Yeah, he lives in Oregon. Right. Shout out Salem, Oregon. If anybody, anybody, for those who are out on the West Coast, USA. Mm. Um, but wow, time flies. It's so awesome being here with you, Hannah, with all the yogis in person. Again, oh yeah, I meant to say at the beginning, but we still have a few here. We, lo we lost a couple. If you're here or if you're still listening, if you would be so kind uh, after the episode to open up either Spotify or Apple podcasts and give us a rating, five star would be amazing and, and a little comment. So right now we have, we have seven Spotify ratings and nine Apple ratings. And my goal, I would, I would love to get see those get to 10. Like love to see them get to 10. So if, if any of you hasn't had a chance to do that yet, um, open either Spotify or Apple, give us a, a five star and write a little comment. And, and then we maybe next episode, we'll be able to celebrate 10, uh, which means more people are finding this great practice of yoga. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Nice. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amazing. Well, everybody make it an amazing rest of the day. Uh, actually, for those who are here in Zoom, hang on a minute. We'd love to connect and, and, and debrief with all of you. But if you're listening, make it an amazing day and we'll see you soon, my friends. Namaste. Namaste.